just after 12 o'clock here, Dr. Payne Show, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. We'll be taking your calls today of pain issues, questions. Uh, bring them on, Dr. Lewis here. We'll also have a guest on the show in just a bit, uh, conservative MPP, uh, Jeff Yurick will be here talking about opioids. He's an MPP and he's a pharmacist, so he's he is, well yeah. steeped in that uh, in that knowledge. First of all, we always start with uh, some things that happened during the week with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nothing specific in terms of, I really, this week, lots of cases that we had, but I think it was, um, I, I was thinking it'd be really important to highlight um, what to do after a car accident, mm-hmm. because we see this a lot during the year, uh, once the snow starts, the car accidents and what happens as a result of them. Uh, and some com- common things that I tend to hear from people is um, they'll end up coming to my clinic months after their car accident, right. and they'll say, you know, we're trying to look for the cause of what started their pain as we start going back. And we start to go through some deductive reasoning and we end up finding out, okay, patient had a car accident two, three months ago, minor fender bender, didn't really do anything about it, felt fine a week after, two weeks after, then some things started creeping up, didn't think much of it, and then it progressively gets worse. So uh, the basic message that I want to get out there is that if you have had a car accident, uh, even if it was a minor fender bender, because it obviously happens with this uh, with this weather and this time of the year. These are important things to get checked out because we don't always know how it progresses. We don't always know how comorbidities, other things that the person has going on, are going to affect their recovery time. Uh, sometimes simple soft tissue injuries that should resolve within 12 weeks don't resolve in 12 weeks because something else may have happened uh, that's going on in the, a previous injury in that part of the body, uh, some other disease process that affects healing times. And so it's very important to get those things checked out. Um, A lot of the times what I also see is that same type of patient coming in a few months later and uh, telling me, you know, I didn't do any rehab following the accident. I went to my family doctor or walk-in clinic and I was just given some pain medication and that's really it. And that's actually going to be kind of the topic of our show today and and the reason why Jeff's coming on as a pharmacist and also a conservative health critic uh, is really talking about the opiate crisis and proper management of healthcare. One of the things that I've always argued is there's a lot of people who opt out of using their car insurance benefits when they get hurt in a car accident uh, because they're afraid of rising premiums, et cetera, et cetera. But really, you know, as so as citizens, we have a social responsibility to understand that when we don't use a certain benefit that's available to us for something that uh, was not a result of the OHIP system, and then we go charge the OHIP system, we go through that system, mm-hmm. all we're doing is creating a burden on the OHIP system, and that's where things start to get defunded over time. That's where money starts to run, run out. So uh, one of the big messages that I think I want to get across in this show today is that we all have a social responsibility of understanding uh, the proper plan of management and proper things that we have to do uh, in our healthcare, making our choices in healthcare and understanding where we should be going, which route, depending on what the problem is. So you think that should be your first line is your your auto insurance or whatever insurance you have as far as health is concerned? I think if you're hurt in a car accident, then yeah, it should be your auto insurance that you go to because that's why you pay for car accidents, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's... You know, I hear I hear people talk about it all the time. There's a reason we're paying for insurance. It's so that when things happen, you have that insurance to cover you. And you know what? If you're hurt in a car accident, if it's a minor fender bender, you have healthcare benefits available to you through that insurance plan so that you can get the treatment that you need. That's why you paid all those years into that insurance in order to have access to that care. Uh, and so then I do believe you should be using that. Obviously, if you're not hurt in a car accident, uh, then you don't go that route. But it would be the same thing that if you're hurt at work, you would go through a WSIV claim. You wouldn't just not go through that. Right. I do really believe that uh, 
we should be taking the proper uh, routes available to us depending on what the problem is. So do you think, uh, you know, a light fender bender, like you said, it, 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 there's no obvious trauma, trauma to you. So if you say, you know what, I'm going to listen to Dr. Lou, I'm going to go see a, a clinic or my doctor right after this. Well, how should you, should you, uh, you know, put it in front of them saying, look, I was just, I was in a car accident. I'm not feeling anything now, but can you just check me from head to toe to make sure if anything's, you know, misaligned or how do you, how do you, yeah, I, I, not so much about the misalignment because I mean, none of us are truly aligned properly i'll say and, it, and it's you know anyone telling you out there that they're going to change your alignment that's going to take a lot of work i'm not saying it's impossible but it's not just a clinician that's mm-hmm. doing that that's a lot of rehabilitation i think the more important thing is we've talked about this pain is the end result of dysfunction when something's going wrong so going to get checked out and saying listen i was in a car accident uh I don't necessarily feel anything right now, but can you check me out? There are quick range of motion screens, palpation, things that you can do. And you know what? It's as simple as, okay, nothing's wrong right now. That's fine. We're going to monitor. So you keep an eye on it. The biggest thing here is when you see a clinician, it's not just what they're going to do with their hands. It's also what they're going to teach you. That's very important. So they may very well give you things to look for. Okay, fine. You're not feeling anything now. Based on my exam, everything looks good. Uh, I do want you to keep an eye out if you start feeling stiffness in the morning. And because a lot of the times what happens is people tend to forget that they were in a car accident and they start attributing the issues that arise weeks, months after to other things that they're doing in their life Uh, and that may very well be the case but it's very important to distinguish the other thing is when you see a clinician you're also going to go through a thorough history Uh, and in that thorough history uh, we have the education to understand that the mechanics of the accident what are the more likely type of ailments and injuries that you might sustain uh, going forward so it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to get treatment per se um if nothing's actually wrong or you don't feel anything, but it is a good idea to get checked out. You you never know. Sometimes you don't feel pain, but in that exam, you may be able to determine, you know what, range of motion does seem a little bit limited, uh, and I hadn't noticed that before. So it's the education that's really the difference, uh, and I think any good clinic uh, is not going to force treatment, but rather... Um, just watch progress. Let's see how you're doing. Yeah. Let's follow up in two weeks. Uh, if nothing's wrong, then great. We'll follow up in a month. And you just take it a, a, that way. And if they do start to develop problems, then you deal with the problems. And if they don't, then that's great. And like you always said, keep records of your own when things happen, how Absolutely. things are progressing on paper. So you can go to the doctor and say, oh, you know what? A month ago, I remember I did this. That's right. right? And, and and I know even when we've had Savannah on this show uh, and we spoke about these things, and I know listening to his show, um, it's very important that when, you know, especially when it's something like this where there's a third party payer involved Mm -hmm. like a car accident uh an insurance company or a work accident or slip and fall etc etc those records if this is a serious injury uh and there's uh you know a tort side to this or there's some type of other legal issues to this case having good appropriate records is very important and the 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 more you go about doing that the right way the more it will help your claim going forward so that's also very important to consider that delaying not going not having good records those are all very dangerous things when you're trying to make a claim. And then the other choice is making sure you find a clinic that can do those things the right way, right? Because a lot of people uh, just dismiss it and it's a quick sentence, patient car accident, hurt back, 
and then you go on. But there should be some detailed explanation of what's happened in that car accident so it's documented, the things that are happening, and that progression. So that that way, from a legal side, it does help your claim to have those good records. We'll take a short break. MPP uh, Jeff Yurick is coming up here in just a moment, and we'll be taking your phone calls throughout the hour as well. You know that number. Keep it handy, 416 870 6400 star 640 on sale more the dr Payne show coming right up talk radio am 640 12 14 on your uh, snowy saturday morning is uh, we are live here you want to give us a call at the number we'd love to talk to you got uh, conservative mp jeff urich on the line Do you have any questions as far as the uh, health care is concerned uh, jeff is here and uh dr lou is here hi jeff how are you great how are you good sir you guys have uh, met now uh, this is gonna be interesting uh your pharmacist as well that's your that's your trade yeah yeah, I've been uh, okay. graduating '95 and uh, currently serving in the legislature. Excellent. Yeah, so I thought it would be a good idea to have Jeff on the show, uh, especially for we've all been talking about it's it's a big conversation going on in the world today, especially North America, which is the opiate epidemic. Oh, yeah, so that time. so that opiates are being used for. Um, pain management, obviously, and that, you know, we're creating a, potentially addictions with that. Uh, I remember seeing a few weeks ago um, that in the United States right now that opiate and heroin overdoses have resulted in more deaths than gun violence. So that's kind of the epidemic. That's that, saying something in the States. Yeah, it's, right? it's getting up yeah. there. And, and we definitely have a problem here in uh, Canada as well, and more specifically here in Ontario. I mean, I see it every day in practice, people that are coming in. Uh, it's not a, an uncommon history for me to see a patient uh, that's been in chronic pain for years. And my question in to them is basically what have you done in all of these years and it's just simply well i've just been taking pain medication and there's right. nothing else that's ever been suggested and a lot of the times i'm not going to suggest that it's always the healthcare professional's fault sometimes patients just choose that route because it's easier than doing the other available options uh and then other times i hear that they've never been recommended to try anything else and so uh obviously uh i think it would be good to have jeff comment um on from, I guess, the pharmacy perspective, some of the common opioids that people are prescribed, uh, there are benefits, because there are benefits to sure. uh, pain management with medication, and some of the serious side effects that uh, that are available. So, Jeff, if you want to give us some comments on that, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks again uh, very much for having me on today. No problem. Uh, um, yeah, you're right about the prescriptions uh, really to opioids. Uh, if you look at the numbers, Canada is the second highest per capita consumer of opioid prescriptions. So we, we do have uh, quite a number of uh, prescriptions being written for people who obviously are in some form of pain one way or the other. And uh, as you did mention, we do have an opioid crisis occurring throughout Canada. And uh, I'm not sure which province it is, but there's one province with more opioid deaths and motor vehicle uh, uh, deaths uh, wow. occurring. And that's 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 something that's tremendous. Yep, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Opioids do have their place in therapy, and uh, and quite often people have uh, some form of pain where it's back, headache, uh, fibromyalgia, mm-hmm. or just chronic pain. Arthritis is a, is really a huge indicator, and or uh, as you mentioned previously about motor vehicle accidents or any type of accident, mm-hmm. um, they end up uh, going to see their healthcare professional and, and coming out with a prescription, and you'll see. Uh, commonly, Tylenol 3 would be prescribed, and if that's not working, then you see it gradually upgrow, uh, grow to Percocets or some form mm-hmm. of oxycodone. 
even heading into morphine, hydromorphone, and then uh, eventually, if the pain's not controlled, they they head into the uh, the, the tough stuff, the fentanyl, which is what mm-hmm. we're seeing on the streets today, which is taking people's lives. Give right. us uh, give us some more details on the fentanyl. I mean that 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 could be the word of 2016, right after Donald Trump. Honestly, <laughs> you hear more about fentanyl later in the news and how bad this stuff is, and kids are getting their uh, their hands on it. Well, right. I mean, there's no real mechanism to tracking these prescriptions. The government has uh, passed uh, legislation. Vic Fidelli from uh, North Bay had a private member's bill the government took hold to uh, try to track uh, patches uh, being out in the community. Mm. But, you know, the second highest uh, per capita consumers of RX prescriptions, there's a lot of fentanyl out there. And it's one of those, uh, it's in a patch form, uh, lasts on your body for up to 72 hours. It's in a, the drugs in a little reservoir. But I mean, you get a hold of that drug and, uh, um, you're seeing people either smoke it or uh, pull out the uh, via the needle the medication, inject it. Uh, that's not what it's made for. It, it's pretty uh, pretty tough stuff, and uh, uh, you're seeing people uh, are dying due to overdose, which is very easy with fentanyl because it's such a potent medication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that I've personally noticed in practice um, is that. The, the the convenience of pain medication and these opiate medications for most healthcare professionals, obviously our healthcare system is burdened and there's long wait times, especially when you're looking at emergency rooms uh, and family doctor's offices. And so it's a very proper pain management. And obviously that's what I try to specialize in and what my clinics do takes a lot of work. It's a lot of a, con- a lot of conversation going on with patients. And there seems to be a lack of time for professionals to do this. And it's kind of an easy way to get someone in and out of your door when they're just complaining quickly of, you know, I have knee pain uh, and what could it be and what could it not be? And you know that they're not really a surgical candidate. So what are the other options? And most physicians, I think, do suggest also doing therapy with sure. this. I, I don't think anyone's sitting there and saying, no, don't do therapy. There's no benefit to it. Just take the pain medication, especially now in 2016. But I do think that uh, the convenience of it for physicians uh, to just use it almost as a dismissal tool uh, to have their patients have something uh, has probably contributed to that. Would you, do you agree or disagree with that, Jeff? Well, I think in addition to what you said, you got to look at the fact that, uh, you know, healthcare in Ontario is rationed uh, quite a bit. So the access to getting the necessary tests or seeing the specialists or the surgeons that you may need for your therapy um, is, is huge. Mm-hmm. The, the wait times are growing. And uh, what's the stopgap for people if they aren't looking at other alternatives such as physio, chiropractor or massage mm-hmm. um, is to get access to these pain medications to so they can actually get along with their day or yeah. in the, the meantime, right? Yeah. 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 And, and and that leads to people becoming dependent on these medications. Yeah. And Jeff brings up a good point because it's something we see every day, especially my clinics focus mainly towards the rehabilitation side of things with the right. chiropractic, physiotherapy, massage therapy, athletic therapy. There's really not much funding for that in our system. And so people are relying on their extended health care. Uh, and, and if they don't have it, then the only place they can really go is kind of that pain medication. But we'll talk more about this after the break. Yeah, we'll take a break. Yeah, phone calls, questions for uh, Mr. Yurik. You can do those 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell MPP, conservative MPP, Jeff Yurik, health critic and pharmacist, joins us, continues with us here on the Dr. Payne Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. 1224, Dr. Payne Show. Yeah, we're still taking your phone calls. You have questions or comments for our conservative MPP, Jeff Yurick, who's also a health critic and uh, pharmacist by trade here. Uh, Doctor, lots of stuff to get through as we're uh, kind of in the uh, middle of the opioid crisis, right? Yeah. I, before we went to break, we were talking about that, um, you know, it's kind of a, 
an easy way for doctors to get a patient out the door uh, Mm -hmm. with this pain medication. But as I started the show talking about the social responsibility that we all have, it's not uncommon for me to see people who do have extended healthcare benefits for chiropractic, physiotherapy, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that instead of presenting to those professions first uh, with their knee pain, they've already gone through the system and maybe presented to an emergency room first. Uh, And, you know, a lot of people don't really understand that an emergency room's place is really to make sure that you're not going to die within the foreseeable future. And if, if that's not the problem, then they're not there to manage that knee pain that you have. And they'll often just say, follow up with your family doctor or go to a clinic, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's not uncommon for people to present that way initially and then end up in my office uh, after they've already gone through those avenues and now they're looking for therapy. And I think there does need to be uh, a social responsibility on people uh, to understand, especially if you do have these benefits available to you as we started, then that may be a good first place to start. And I think um, that Jeff would probably agree with that. But Jeff, what's your take on that? Well, I mean, you, you look at the the wait times at emergencies and walk-in clinics are quite mm. lengthy. I mean, there's obvious uh, some people are, are utilizing those uh, treatments because they're either unable to uh, access their, their primary care physician or, or nurse practitioner, or uh, they just don't realize that there's other alternatives out there. And uh, definitely for certain uh, certain treatments, uh, looking at, uh, as I mentioned, the other treatments, chiropractor, massage, or physio, um, uh, using, utilizing those services out there if you do have the uh, the coverage and are able to afford that treatment, uh, I think it's a good avenue to take a look at. Or, in fact, even if it, after you've seen your doctor, um, heading over and, and try to utilize those other healthcare professionals because, uh, uh, you know, opioid prescribed medication itself isn't going to cure any condition. It's just going to uh, knock down the pain level so that you're able to function. You need to figure out what the root cause of the uh the problem is and, and get that treated and looked at and, uh, you know, uh, healthcare professionals across the scope, uh, Cairo, uh, physio, uh, massage, your, your, your nurses, uh, they, they play a role in the healthcare system and they're able to offer options, which, uh, um, takes away the use of having to use opioid medications. It, it's, it's an, it's an avenue that people should be looking at. Yeah, and and I totally agree with that. There's, uh, you know, one of the advantages of the way I've built my clinic with so many uh, healthcare professionals is I agree with that. I don't think in 2016 that somebody has a doctor, they have a healthcare team where there's uh, multiple people, multiple health professionals playing a role in their care. And oftentimes we do have a patient that will, for example, present to the chiropractor first in very acute pain. uh, And it's very hard for them to do the manual work that they would have to do if this person is that aggravated and that acute. So we will just co-manage with one of the physicians that we have where, yeah, there is some medication that's prescribed in order to get this person's uh, pain levels to a point where at the very least you can intervene from a manual perspective. I think the big thing here is that there needs to be, again, a responsibility on everyone's part to understand when uh, certain treatments are beneficial, when they're no longer beneficial, and also weaning people off treatment. And that doesn't just go for opiate medication. I think every type of intervention that someone takes uh, should have a ramp-up period and then a ramp-off period where you start to wean them off. And I've said this even with rehab services, with therapy. If you're going to a clinic and they're telling you that you have to keep going there three times a week for the rest of your life, there's a problem because that's still uh, you're you're not solving the problem. You're essentially adapting your body. Yeah, you're just adapting your body to uh, use that therapy to keep you healthy. But there should be a way where you wean off of that so that you can do it yourself. 
And the other fact is, as you become adapted to any type of intervention, whether it's an opiate medication or therapy, your body becomes desensitized and it takes a lot more of that intervention to have a potential same effect. It's the same as when you're an alcoholic. As you get used to drinking a lot, you still a little just, bit, a little got more and yeah, more. Yeah, you just need yeah. a little bit more to get to the same uh, point. And so I think there needs to be a way where. Um, we can gauge this. Uh, Jeff, could you talk to us a little bit about, uh, I guess, in the foreseeable future, the things that Queen's Park and uh, um, that are being, I guess, put on the table or solutions to help solve uh, the opiate crisis? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the uh, narcotic monitoring system uh, that's uh, within all the pharmacies uh, is able to uh, track uh, narcotic prescriptions. So pharmacies are flagged if, if somebody is uh, getting the prescription filled too early or going to more than one, one pharmacy throughout the province. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, I was interesting to talk to chiropractors who were at Queen's Park. There's a, a pilot studies going on uh, now uh, utilizing chiropractors' uh, uh, abilities to decrease Increase the incidence of back pain, and that's showing quite promise. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been pushing for the expansion of that across the province because I think uh, uh, the more we can utilize uh, other healthcare uh, professionals in a team-like environment uh, and uh, decrease the amount of uh, prescription pain medication that's uh, out there, uh, I think that benefits not only the system, uh, the drug benefit system, but also uh, the patients' lives. These a uh, more fuller life and able to to uh, participate more freely in their communities and. Uh, you know, as as a politician, you're looking at uh, if they're able to get back out and work and uh, pay some taxes and spend some money in the local economy, that's good for the province on the whole. Right. Jeff, you hang in for a little longer with us? Yeah, sure. Okay, good. Conservative MPP Jeff York uh, sticks around for the uh, foreseeable uh, near future. Anyway, the Dr. Payne Show, you want to call us, you can uh, talk to Jeff, ask him questions. He's also a health critic and uh, pharmacist by trade. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And all other questions, of course, uh, for the next half hour here in the Dr. Payne Show Talk Radio, AM 640. It is 12.33. Uh, i got a few more minutes here with Conservative MPP Jeff Urich. If you want to call in, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. We'll be, uh, we got him on the line. Yeah. I, before we left to the break, we were talking about some interesting things um, uh, with nurse practitioners and using different uh, uh, modes of care to, to be part of your healthcare mm-hmm. team. And one of the things that I think has... Um, improved in the system and the system overall is improving and i'd love to hear jeff's comments on this uh we are starting to use different professionals uh to more of the extent of their knowledge and a good example of that that i think was just rolled out a few weeks ago was the example of pharmacists now being able to administer more vaccines than they had before uh and also the the scope of nurse practitioners uh seems to be growing where they're able to to refer uh prescribe medication and i and again and jeff alluded that there's a pilot project with chiropractors playing a role in the assessment of low back pain and and uh, and managing that as a primary care concern. And I think all those things are great. And I think that that really, and, I, and I'd love to get your opinion, Jeff, that I believe is the next step in our healthcare system is understanding that we have all these different healthcare professionals and really utilizing them to the, yeah. the extent of their knowledge. Because I know as an example for me, my as a chiropractor myself, I do feel that in the province of Ontario, my knowledge uh, is great, but my uh, scope of what the things that I can do um, is somewhat limited. And, uh, and you know, and I think of a, an example like in Alberta where chiropractors are referring for MRIs, for simple blood work, for uh, two specialists, whereas we don't tend to have those things there. What's your take on that, Jeff? Yeah, no, I agree. I think our, our healthcare professionals throughout the province uh, 
uh, you know, ranging from nurse practitioners, chiropractors, uh, physios, pharmacists, uh, physician assistants. Uh, we have a, a wide range of, of uh, understanding and education that uh, would be beneficial to utilize in the uh, healthcare system. And uh, back in 2009, the government passed a bill which uh, would enable the expansion of scope of of the healthcare professionals in this province, uh, it's coming along slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, I think it's great that pharmacists were expanded with uh, more vaccinations this past week. Uh, it's a great way uh, that uh, to help people get attain their vaccinations. The the amount of flu vaccines, I think, cracked a million mm-hmm. uh, given by pharmacists uh, in the province last mm-hmm. year, which is tremendous. Mm-hmm. But you know, you look at other provinces, and you mentioned Alberta. Alberta has pharmacists. Uh, uh, prescribing minor ailments and, um, and utilizing their healthcare professionals. I think there's a lot of work and a lot of growth that we can do to improve the healthcare in this province, and that's uh, you, expanding the scope of practices and having our healthcare professionals interact more as team members uh, to ensure that uh, the focus truly is on the patient at the end of the day and, and, and doesn't get lost over turf wars. We need to work together and uh, see how we can uh, ensure that uh, uh, different methods are being utilized in order to uh, attain the relief that people need and the treatment that they deserve to get. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, I'm not sure if you know uh, the answer to the qu- the next question I'll have, but that type of plan that they have going on in Alberta, as you mentioned, versus Ontario, is, are there any studies being done uh, towards showing the benefit or is there even a benefit? Like, Can you comment on that? Well, definitely. Um, I, I can't name any of the studies uh, offhand, but sure. uh, it is it is improving uh, uh, people's access to treatment. And, and Alberta isn't the only place. Uh, there's many states uh, who have expanded the scope of practice of various healthcare, various healthcare professionals. And provided you have a college uh, system or some form of uh, regulatory body that's ensuring certain standards are met, and there's uh, uh, certain educational requirements, this is a system that can really be utilized in our province to, uh, as I say, benefit uh, the patient uh, throughout the province. And uh, something we got to keep the pressure on and, and keep pushing on the government to kind of speed up the process. It, uh, to me, it's, it's going too slow. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think I would agree with that. Now, for the, for the people listening to our show, what can they do to help speed up that process? Mm-hmm. Is there anything on their end uh, that they can do uh, to expedite this so that, you know, access to care uh, becomes better for everybody? Well, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I'm a strong believer in, in people being uh, advocates for themselves and for groups of people that they believe in. And uh, emails and letters and, and calls to uh, MPPs, especially those in, sitting in cabinet, uh, are, are key. It, it, people have to realize that uh, politicians are thrown uh, hundreds of different issues a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to keep hearing the same message over certain issues. And one is health care. We do want our health care ration and we want to utilize our healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And keep keep sending those letters and, and emails into people, and uh, you'll see change occur a little bit faster, I would imagine. Is it something that you, uh, in your opinion, in terms of a timeline, is this years away, a decade yeah. away? What what are you thinking based on the way it's going? Well, I mean, it's, it 2009 was when the bill was passed, and we're, we're heading into 2017, and right. I think we've seen baby steps going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so whether that's eight years, uh, I, I hopefully it's not another decade. I don't think our healthcare system can can handle uh, the growth and demands that are growing in it without expanding the scopes of practices of our various healthcare professionals to deal with the. And, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- 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 so much of it's about awareness. Get out there in social media and put it out there too, right? Yeah, I, th- I think it's absolutely essential that, again, we, we, my message is always, we all have a social responsibility. Healthcare mm-hmm. is, it seems to be one of those things where, um, you know, if, if, you, if you run a business, you're expected to know a little bit about accounting and a little bit about uh, employment law, et cetera, et cetera. And healthcare seems to be one of those areas where it's like, well, we'll just leave it to the healthcare professionals. And it's, you know, the average person doesn't need to know about it. But I don't think that that's the way we have to go about this. We have to understand a little bit, uh, all of us, it's our own social responsibility and understanding, as Jeff said, you know, the rationing going on with healthcare as we moved, um, through time here in Ontario, more and more things are being rationed uh, versus the expansion. And really, if we have more people, we're living longer, people are going to get sicker and they're yeah. going to have problems. And And I think the key needs to be uh, looking at the other avenues that are available to, again, I think utilizing uh, every healthcare professionals, utilizing the extent of their knowledge is great. I know with, uh, with chiropractors specifically, we've done research towards, uh, you know, what happens when you implement a chiropractor dealing with low back pain management management, uh, for example, in an emergency room. And we do find that the amount of um, special imaging that's referred for diminishes because there's someone there better able to gotcha. understand that problem uh, and diagnose it through history and physical and only prefer for those tests when they're absolutely necessary versus just referring for them as a safety tool because those tests cost us money, all of us, the taxpayers' money. So, uh, yeah, I think it, it's definitely the next step in healthcare. Jeff, where can uh, people contact you? Well, uh, you can uh, call my uh, office at, uh, in St. Thomas. I'm, I'm home uh, sitting for the se- winter sessions over. Mm-hmm. Uh, 519-631-0666. But my best way is email, jeff.yerick at pc.ola.org. Excellent. Got to thank uh, once again, Conservative MPP and health critic uh, Jeff York for joining us here on the Dr. Payne Show. Lots more of the show coming up right till 1 o'clock. Your phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Taking a short break. Be right back. Talk radio, May 640. 1244, lots of time still to call in. We're going to uh, switch gears to uh, oh, the old lower back. <sighs> Yeah. And the question is, when is it a good time to go through imaging? Yeah, you- so we had a, an email uh, during the break, uh, essentially the patient saying that uh, um, the they've had low back pain for a few weeks. Doctor hasn't wanted to send them for x-ray, but they wanted. So I guess the question becomes, when is x-raying or, or imaging for low back pain necessary? A um, couple things here that we got to look at. Um, when we do a history, there, there are guidelines towards this stuff, but the okay. things we got to consider here is, you know, when... On an initial consultation, when is imaging absolutely necessary in the presence of, let's say, something like a severe trauma, really bad fall, something like I, it's not uncommon to hear it was on the ladder, fell four steps off, landed on my butt. So, you know, that's probably a good idea you may want to take. Car accident, maybe. Uh, car, uh, yeah, yep. a severe car accident, depending. And again, this is nothing that a person comes in and they say, I have low back pain from trauma, and then, boom, it's an x-ray first. You can do a physical exam. There are some physical exam things that you can do to understand, does this person potentially have a fracture going on? And, uh, you know, especially with a car accident, the first thing after you've taken a thorough history and then you're looking at, let's say, their neck, you want to start palpating that neck very softly, look for tenderness, look for bruising, any deformities, because that will tend to tip you off. Okay, there may be a fracture going on. So definitely in the absence, or sorry, in the presence of serious trauma is definitely something that you'd want to have uh, at the very least simple imaging like an mm-hmm. x-ray done for. Um other things where you may want to consider x-rays, uh, red flags. When we're talking to patients, uh, a lot of our questioning is, 
uh, geared towards red flags. So, okay. you know, as an example, you're looking at patient came in uh, with low back pain. Uh, there's no trauma, but there's maybe a lot of red flags. Some red flags could be like severe night pain, right? Uh, severe sweating during the night, uh, excessive weight loss in a short period of time without yeah. actually wanting to lose that weight. Now you're starting to think of, a malignant process going on, right? Yeah. Maybe there's something there that you may want to take that initial x-ray just to understand. Uh, another good time that I think uh, if you're a manual therapist at the very least is let's say this person is, I had a patient this week who um, who came in for a knee complaint and uh, uh, they were told that they had severe OA in their knee and they likely needed a, a knee replacement. And so um, he also mentioned that he had had ACL surgery and MCL surgery, and he had some screws and bolts in there okay. from previous. Uh, he had an x-ray with him that I was able to look at, uh, but had he not had that x-ray, I would have wanted to see it. Uh, because when someone says that they have some devices, you know, bolts, screws, et cetera. Some hardware. Some hardware, it's probably yeah. a good idea uh, to take a look at it. So those are definitely some instances where imaging is going to play a role. The other thing is, let's say you're getting your low back pain treated. Someone's told you this seems like it's just mechanical in nature related to joints, muscles. Uh, the research out there suggests that most simple soft tissue injuries um, should get better within 6 to 12 weeks. Now, that obviously changes depending on who the person is, how fit they are, how old they are, other yeah. more comorbidities going on. Um, but definitely, if that's not better in that period of time, let's say you get to that 6 to 12-week period, and more than not being better, it's getting worse, then that's probably an indication that an x-ray is necessary and, or, or any other type of imaging. Uh, Sometimes people want x-rays for things that x-rays won't pick up. The, a good example in the low back is something like a potential disc herniation. An x-ray is not going to pick up a disc herniation. You're going to need something more like an MRI, which looks at the soft tissue. So that can actually, because the disc herniation, the disc itself, is more of a soft tissue structure and thus won't be picked up on an so x-ray. So what do you start? Do you start with an MRI? Do you start with a CT or, or an x-ray? How do you know? CT versus MRI, uh, there's a couple things. It really depends on uh, how quickly do you need this is, is one first thing. Okay. Uh, so, you know, you're, it's more accessible right now to get a CT than it is an MRI. What a CT scan is, is essentially a lot of x-rays. Uh, spinning around you and then creating a 3D image on a computer system. Uh, so it does have the risk of radiation, which MRIs don't, right? MRIs are using um, magnetic, resonance. Ma magnetic yeah. resonance in order to move certain uh, ions in our bodies to create an image. So uh, there's not as much risk on that end. Uh, the other potential is, um, you know, it's going to be better for, uh, CAT scans are better for, uh, um, things like bone okay. issues. So let's see you did see something on a bone on x-ray. Your next modality of choice would likely be a CAT scan because you can take a better look at that bone. But again, for uh, the soft tissue injuries, especially like a disc herniation, an MRI is going to be better. The other thing is MRIs tend to take longer and it's a big tube that you're in. So if a patient's claustrophobic... Yeah. I know a lot of people can't yeah, go in it, those. You're, gonna, you're not going to put them in an MRI machine. The other thing is because you're using uh, magnets, well, now there's also risk. I know some of the things are... You know, have you ever welded and, and worked with metals? And so if metals are going into your eye uh, because you've been welding or whatever, mm -hmm. or let's say you have a metal implant like that hardware, like that person, you're not going to put them through a magnet, right? Because it's going to rip it right out. So there are uh, different indications of when something should be used and when other things uh, should be used. So there you go. We'll uh, take a quick break. We'll get to the phone calls. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Got time to give us a call. You have concerns of any type. 
physical in nature, uh, give us a call. Dr. Uh, Dr. Lou's here to, uh, to answer those right till 1 o'clock. The Dr. Payne Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. 12.52, your phone call is 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Steph Whitby, thanks for calling in. You're an MRI tech, yes? Yes. Um, Good. What's going on? Well, I was calling because at one point he said that um, if you have metal hardware, you can't get an MR scan. Mm-hmm. That is inaccurate. Okay. Um, the advice any patient I would give is if you go for surgery, find out exactly what your doctor implants on you, right. what it's right. made out of, um, lot number, material, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Most patients with orthopedic hardware can have an MRI right. provided, but we have to know and what we have it to is. Know what it is, yeah, for where sure. are we scanning, because yeah. it, can, if it, it won't cause harm necessarily, but may cause severe artifact in the area that we're imaging. Right, yeah. And I just wanted to make that point, because, and also because you do catch a lot of people on the thing, whenever you go for surgery, whatever surgery, ask your surgeon, what is implanted in me? Right. For sure. And I have a card saying exactly what is implanted in me. That goes for everything, kids, tubes and ears, everything. Yep. Yeah, and, good call. Yeah, that's great advice uh, for sure. I I I, I know that. I, I guess I went through it as a general point, but absolutely, uh, uh, what Stephanie's saying is absolutely accurate. It doesn't necessarily prevent it for sure, uh, but it is. I think that's a great point, and I think I'll use that with my patients too because I've never actually thought of it. Get get an actual list of exactly what hardware is being used because uh, that'll be I mean, important with to know. Sense, cardiac sense, we don't look twice at anymore. Right, but really, it's always okay. helpful. To have that information because sure. it makes it easier to say to the patient. Yeah. Is know? there is there a threshold stuff, something someone will have implanted where you say, you know what, you can't do this MRI, we can't put you in the it, tube? It really depends on the device. Like yeah. there's pacemakers that are not considered, but you'd have to go to a site that handles them regularly. Yeah. Um, we absolutely have to know beyond all shadow of a doubt aneurysm clips. Right. Because if, if most of them being put in now are MR conditional, mm-hmm. but... We have to know, and if we don't know, we will not put it in. I, I guess that's uh, that's an important point too. As I think, uh, as we've progressed and MRIs become much more implemented into our healthcare system, I guess a lot of the things being developed uh, are you know safe to be used for MRIs. But I guess, uh, and maybe you see this, Stephanie, where uh, people who had surgeries 30, 40 years ago, I guess that's when it wasn't as common and maybe wasn't taken into consideration with uh, the different things that they were using. Aneurysm clips are a big issue with that because anything prior to 1985 Mm. may very well, but even then the rule is it has to be documented accurately. Awesome. Thanks for the call. Excellent. Great call. Appreciate that. Got uh, Justin on the line. Hi, Justin. Good afternoon. Hey, how are you? Good, pal. What's going on with you? Uh, I'll try to make it a short story, but um, I've been dealing with uh, quite severe foot pain for the better part of seven years. I had surgery on my foot about two years ago. I had a fusion of my big toe. Right. Now, I was told that I, I had arthritis at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was also told with the surgery, it was going to eliminate the pain and I'd be able to put hockey skates back on. And I mean, I'm, I'm a letter carrier, so you can imagine every step I take. You bet. Um, yeah, I, sure. I feel it. Um, yeah. So I was taking Tylenols and then it went to Tylenol 2s and then it went to Tylenol 3s. I had the surgery, but then about six months after, uh, the pain started coming back, and I, I kind of joke about it because it seems like my it's, it's come back almost worse with a vengeance right. uh, since the surgery. Now, um, I just the other issue is that the toe directly beside the big toe. Now, every once in a while, I'll get a stinging, very very sharp pain in that toe, and it's uh, it, it, it'll stay for about sometimes five ten minutes, mm-hmm. maybe half an hour, and then it goes away. Right, um, which is kind of what the the big toe used to do. Okay. Now I'm just trying to figure. 
I've gone back to the doctor who's done the surgery. He's told me he's given me more, you know, prescriptions to take and to say that, you know, we'll give it a year and it should be better now. Mm-hmm. A, a year ago was in May, so it's been right. a year and a half. Right. Um, but I, I, I'm just, I just, I'm baffled by. Mm-hmm. Sure. What uh, it is. Yeah. Let me comment a little. See, sure. anytime. Um, you have a fusion of anything, what's going to happen is obviously you're limiting the range of motion in that area because that's what it's essentially doing. A lot of the times uh, the idea is, well, that joint is the problem uh, and therefore let's fuse that joint and that joint. And in all likelihood, any pain that you're feeling is probably not a result of that joint anymore. But what happens when you fuse something? uh, The body's all about harmony and finding a balance between things. And so what happens when an area is fused that the other areas corresponding to it have to make up for that movement that used to be there. And and I yes. see this a lot with spine surgeries where someone has a certain segment of their spine fused uh, and that area is fine, but now either above or below, they start to have problems because now that area right. is potentially moving more. It's got to compensate. It's right? got to compensate but, somewhere. But the problem, I don't, I don't know, maybe it, it's another part of the toe, but the toe where I had the fusion, mm-hmm. the pain comes back, the same exact pain, if not worse, in that same exact spot. Like I can't really touch that. Uh, I can't touch that joint where the surgery was really uh, anymore like I used to. Yeah. Um, But I was told that that should all go away. Yeah, I mean, uh, the other thing here is the toe is very important for gait. So uh, in proper gait analysis, what happens is where we toe off, that's what it's called. That's the last part of our gait cycle. So in a Mm -hmm. toe that can't bend, you are probably... towing off more towards the forefoot uh what happens in the forefoot is you tend to have a cluster of nerves in that area and if you aggravate them you may be getting some type of a nerve pain now obviously over the radio it's it's hard for me to see what you're talking about exactly and i'm kind of talking generally about what this type of uh, surgery could do but this is absolutely a scenario where uh give us a call after at one 855 doctor lou uh we can set up a consultation to absolutely discuss it further take a look at it uh and see what's happening a lot of the times See, this is the problem that I'm talking about where um, it's just here, take the pain medication and it should get better. There's there's therapists who can take a look at this and, and understand someone's gait and, and the movement of certain joints and understand, OK, what can we do here to at the very least minimize the mm-hmm. issue that's being felt? And we we may never necessarily make anything 100 percent better, but this is the wrong type of answer to just be told, take pain medication yeah. and it should get better because maybe that fusion has affected his gait in a way uh, that he's now compensating sure. in another way, yep. creating problems. Well, you can retrain your gait the proper way. It's going to take a lot of hard work on his part, for sure. It's not easy, but it's not impossible. And so uh, there are better things that can be done. This is where rehab, rehabilitation, following uh, orthopedic-type surgeries is so very, very important. And it shouldn't just be focused on minimizing the pain and inflammation. It needs to look at the functional aspects of body movement to prevent uh, compensation pains in other areas. Till next time, free consultations. Remember that as well. Go to info at paincarecanada.com or call that number that uh, Dr. Lou just gave out. 1-855-55-DR-LOU. 1-855-55-DR-LOU. Till next time, Dr. Bain Show, Talk Radio, AM640.